Welcome to the Truth and Liberty broadcast. We believe we have a mandate to bring godly change to our nation and the world through the seven spheres or mountains of influence. To further this cause, we give away a product every week that will empower you to get involved in changing your life and changing our world. You can register for our weekly giveaway by subscribing at truthandliberty.net. You can also subscribe to our newsletter to receive weekly updates on guests, news, and much more. This is an interactive live cast, and we welcome your questions. To ask a question during the live cast, use the comment or chat features. Now get ready to dive into this week's topics with our hosts on location in Colorado, USA. Hello and welcome to our Monday Night Truth and Liberty live cast. I'm Andrew Womack, and we're glad that you've joined us. We do this every Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And this evening, we got Rick Scarborough with us. We'll give a better introduction in just a little bit, but I tell you, I saw a video of his recently. It's awesome. And he's got some things that he's doing that are making a big difference. And he's been at this for 30 years, actively involved in dealing with our culture. And you're going to be blessed tonight. But we've got Pastor Mark Coward here with us tonight. He's one of our board members, as is Bill Federer, who's also with us tonight. And uh, so we are going to be sharing some things with you, but I want Mark to share with you how you can get involved. And also, we got a lot of things coming up that we want to let you handle. And so, Mark, Mark thank Cowart, Pastor Mark Cowart. Thank you, Andrew. It's always good to be with you. It's good to be with these uh, awesome men of God tonight. And we do have some powerful things that are coming up. I do want to mention to all of you, uh, in case we were to be censored, the best viewing uh, experience is going to be truthandliberty.net. Sometimes things are said that uh, they don't like it, and that'll make sure you don't get interrupted. If you but, haven't been censored by YouTube, you aren't saying anything Yeah, good. that's true. <laughs> Something you said, Andrew, if you never bump into the devil, it's probably because you're going the same direction as he that's is. Right. So uh, I don't think that's any worries up here. No. So, but also I want to point out the fact that there are some incredible resources on the Truth and Liberty website. Last week I was able to co-host with Richard Harris and we had Janet Porter. And I'm telling you, it was so powerful. I went back and watched it again and I was co-hosting with Richard. <laughs> uh, she is a firebrand and you can go see all of our previous shows and uh, a lot of resources, new resources are being put on continually. So these are things that are current events and happening. And if you need to know and see things in an uncensored way and find out what's really going on, I encourage you to go to truthandliberty.net. And also some incredibly powerful events coming up here. And uh, April the 6th through the 8th is going to be Karis Campus Days. And a lot of you know Richard Harris is always in this chair. That changed his life. Yeah. He was an attorney that practiced law for 20 years. He came to a Karis Campus Days, and it changed his life. He came to school, and now he's a vital part of the ministry here. And so just register at awmi.net slash events for that, and I encourage you to <clears throat> make plans to be here. Also, the David musical is April the 8th through the 10th. And again, you can go to awmi.net slash events. I tell you, Andrew, the events that go on up here are so powerful. And the way I've shared it is they're so gifted 
that if they weren't anointed, it would be powerful to watch, but they're gifted and anointed. Mm -hmm. And so that is coming up. And then uh, In God We Trust, July 3rd through the 4th. need to do that and right on the heels of that is the Summer Family Bible Conference. I always look forward to that. That is such powerful time centered around the 4th of July. All of those you can find information for, register, get tickets at awmi.net slash events. And uh, also each week we have a giveaway and last week's winner is Tamara Durham. And uh, you won the book, you've already got it. And so you should have received an email on that, how to claim your free gift there. This week's product is Andrew's book, More Grace, More Favor. And uh, the subtitle here is Releasing the Untapped Power of Humility in Your Life. And I want to say, you live that out, Andrew. That's actually a teaching on humility, but my publisher said nobody will get it if you title it humility. So they titled it More Grace, More Favor. But Well, I want to say you live this out, and I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, this will be something. So register for that. And... Uh, to be eligible, you subscribe uh, to our emails at truthandliberty.net slash subscribe. You'll go in for that drawing. And I want to let you to know uh, that you can interact with us tonight. And so uh, post your question and comments. And you can do that in the chat room at truthandliberty.net slash live or leave your questions in the comment section on Facebook and your question may get answered tonight. And uh, I also want to encourage you to become a member of truthandliberty.net. Ever since Truth and Liberty was started, I've just seen the hand of God on this. And uh, it is a 501c4, so the gifts and donations are not tax deductible. But I'll tell you this, God's watching. So for a gift of $5 on an automatic withdrawal every month, at least $5, you can get Alex McFarland's latest book, The Assault on America. Alex is a dear friend of ours in this ministry. And uh, the good part of this, how to defend our nation before it's too late. So it's, it's a book of action and we encourage you, be a partner with us and for prayer during the broadcast. If you're watching live stream, click on the prayer button and you can share your prayer request, but also for live prayer to talk to a person, you can call the AWM helpline and that number is on your screen there. And uh, you can be connected with a person that will pray with you personally. And so with that, Andrew, we've covered everything and I'll put it back to you. Appreciate you doing that, Mark. I'm not very good at making announcements. Well, I made it through, but I had three preachers over to my left and I said, we won't be short for words if I mess up. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to let Bill Federer introduce Rick Scarborough. I've only seen him recently. Matter of fact, Bill is the one who told me that we needed to get together. He sent me a little video and I watched it when Rick got involved in the local school board, and I mean caused no small stir, and yet made a big difference. And so I've watched that, but I'm relatively new to Rick, but Bill has been friends with him a long time. For those of you who don't know, Bill Federer is one of our directors of Truth and Liberty, and you've been on this program many times, and the guy is just awesome. I don't know how you remember Everything. He was talking about three centuries before Christ as we were headed down here, telling me what happened in China. And I, it's like, 
I don't know. Somebody just plugged him into something different <laughs> than what I've got. But anyway, this is Bill Fetter, and I'm going to let him give the introduction for Rick Scarborough. Oh, well, thank you. Well, uh, 1994, uh, Rick published the book Enough is Enough, and he was so kind as to cite my book inside of his book. Um, and so we got to be friends. He had me speak down around the Houston area. He pastored one of the largest churches in the Houston area. And I'm going to ask him to give a story of how he got involved in wanting to change the country. But he's spoken across the years ago. Time magazine listed the top 100 Christian influencers. And Rick Scarborough was one of those. He's ministered in Washington, D.C., all across the country on television. He's mobilized uh, hundreds and thousands of pastors to get their churches involved. And he's got a new project I'm very excited about, recoveramerica.com. And my goal is that uh, we get a thousand people to sign up for his emails tonight, right? Recoveramerica.com. Uh, but with that, I'm going to turn it over to, to Rick. And Rick, I, I think the starting point is give us a nutshell of you being this pastor and then how you just, it, it, the, the crisis came to you and you had a choice of responding or not and you stood up. Well, that's exactly right, Bill. Thank you for that introduction. And I want to thank you, uh, Andrew, for the privilege of uh, being a part of this program. I've been watching it and blessed by some of your guests, including uh, Janet uh, Porter. Boy, I agree with that mm. analysis of her. She, she is uh, one of my favorites in the movement. But in 1990, after spending 14 years in full-time evangelism, kids were getting older, and I felt like I needed to spend more time with them. So we began praying about pastoring the church. God literally opened the door for me to, to go to First Baptist Church, Pearland, uh, right across the ship channel from where my aging parents lived. It just was a perfect fit. And I, all I did was go and start preaching Jesus. We started seeing uh, people saved every Sunday. The church was packed to capacity. We baptized 500 people in the first 18 months. And the last thing I had in, in my mind was creating a controversy. A lady walked out the back of the door one Sunday morning and stood the normal pleasantries. She said, Pastor, are you going to that high school assembly tomorrow? Well, I didn't even know there was one. But upon inquiry, I dis discovered it was likely something I should look into. Well, I learned a long time ago, if you don't, if you don't plan your day, somebody else will. You would know that, Pastor Mark. <laughs> so I had a full day of activities already on my calendar. So I sent Rod Compton, my associate, to, to cover that assembly. Rod came back to my office where I was interviewing a prospective staff member at about uh, 10.30 that morning, and, and he was just so taken by the high school assembly he'd attended, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't tell me what he'd heard. And so uh, after several attempts to, say, to get him to tell me what he heard, I decided maybe I should go. So handed our guest off uh, for the lunch hour, and I hurried down to that fifth of five assemblies. They had chosen to divide the school into five groups, and wouldn't you know it, when I sat down in the very back of the auditorium, I saw Misty, our senior-aged daughter, whom we transferred into that high school in the middle of her junior year, a very precarious time for a teen. And I said immediately to myself, Scarborough, don't cause any problems. <laughs> well, you're laughing because you, as a parent and preacher, you know, I made it about 15 minutes. Uh -huh. I was really proud of myself. <laughs> when the young lady pulled out a condom, stretched it like a balloon, told a lewd story. She thought it was a joke. Blew it up like a balloon and, and then wrote 97 on the whiteboard behind her. I, I, I really got on the edge of my seat. Now, at that time, AIDS was being called grids. This was a whole assembly to teach the children 
uh, how to be safe from the dread disease of GRIDS, gay-related immune deficiency syndrome, later changed, in fact, quickly changed to AIDS to be more politically correct. You know, when I first heard that this was a sex education assembly, my thought was, how bad can that be? We had, when I was in junior high school, they took the boys in the boys' gym, girls in the girls' gym, darkened the windows with, with tar paper, and showed us about an hour of 16-millimeter projections of people with syphilis, gonorrhea, and other sexually transmitted diseases. And Andrew, you can remember this day, yeah. when the lights came back on, we were so terrified, it took us about six years of married life to get over it. <laughs> I mean, they said, if you do this, you'll get that. Well, let me tell you, this sex education today, and even back in 1992, is not that. I call it the facilitation of fornication. Yeah. There are no rights, there are no wrongs, do whatever you want, just use one of these. Well, when she wrote 97, I was, I, I was alert to that because I'd been reading what the Center for Disease Control said was a way to avoid this disease. I was preparing a series of sermons to my church family about this new disease that I believed was a judgment upon an illicit activity that God forbid. Still hold that view, by the way. So anyway, I was, I was familiar with what they said about condoms, and I knew that was an incorrect uh, statement. So I raised my hand. Uh, she saw me in a suit and tie, much like tonight. She courteously responded and said, yes, sir. Probably thought I was a principal. I said, ma'am. Now, when ma'am came off my lips, Misty nearly fell out of her seat. She knew. I mean, she heard her father's voice oh. unmistakably, had no clue I was there, and I could see the smoke coming out of her ears. <laughs> and she was thinking, what has he heard? How much has he heard? He heard? Well, I said, ma'am, where did you get that statistic? She said, from the CDC. Now, I was likely the only one there, gentlemen, that knew that stood for Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia. So I raised my hand again, only this time she ignored me. Only what's hard to ignore in a, an assembly like that is the pastor of the largest evangelical church in an assembly where we've been talking about, well, how ex, I don't want to make this X-rated, but every kind of sex you can imagine, yeah. some you shouldn't imagine. Yeah. And she was using all of the gutter expressions for it. I mean, she was being very candid about what she was uh, speaking to, but she also used the technical terms. So finally, in exasperation, because kids are now networking, who is that? That's Misty's dad. That's the Baptist preacher. She finally said in exasperation, yes, sir, the second time. But now she knows I'm likely not a friend. I said, Amy, I've read everything the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, Georgia, has printed on this subject, as far as I know, and I've never seen anywhere where they said condoms that the kids buy at the truck stop are that effective. Maybe a drugstore. But our kids aren't getting their condoms there, and they're not putting it in a refrigerator or keeping it at room temperature. They're putting it in their back pocket or in a glove box. Well, she was just taken. Now she's breaking out in red splotches. The pastor and me wanted to go up and give her a hug because she looked like she could use one about that time. <laughs> but the preacher and prophet in me was, was angry. Now, and I don't mean uncontrollable anger. I mean the kind I should have had. Uh, this was something that was going to kill kids if it wasn't corrected. So now a teacher stands up and addresses me and shouts across the room. I've read the same statistic in a teen magazine, and I know it's true. Well, I knew this wasn't the time or place for an argument with a teacher. I have in my pocket, a, because my associate had warned me, a 30-minute tape on a dictaphone, which we often used to carry it in those days to keep messages and, and to transcribe letters, etc. So I'm taping all of this. I set it on the desk where I wouldn't miss any of it. She goes right back into her speech, but now she gets off text. She starts sharing her own personal sex life. 
She tells how she's AIDS infected, and that's why she's doing this. But her living boyfriend is protected because they use condoms. Now, gentlemen, I put my head in my hands so the students wouldn't see me cry. And I, I got my composure, but all I can think of is how many students in the next 10 years will die because of this misinformation. And that's when I decided, ladies and gentlemen, that it was time for this preacher to get involved. I went back to my office after a few exchanges with the speaker, and I called a practicing attorney and made him aware I had secretly recorded a high school assembly. I said, his name was Cactus, by the way, a good friend of mine. Cactus, if I, if I make public this secret recording, can I be sued? Now, the only question for me at that point is, do I do this as pastor or do I do this as parent? Distinctly different. He called me back in about an hour. He said, preacher in Texas, public assemblies, public information. You can do whatever you want to. So I called in our minister of, I called him our minister of miscellaneous. He was our janitor. I called him in and I said, I want you to put on the signboard out front. If you want to hear what the kids heard at PHS, come Sunday morning. Well, come they did. Well, now, now, tell about what your um, daughter said. And that's important, and, and she's, uh, she's probably watching, and I need to do this. <laughs> but, Andrew, this was the neatest part. When I stood at the back waiting for an opportunity to speak to the, the speaker herself, all the students had to pass by me. And, I mean, some of these kids were angry and let me know that they thought I was out of line. Some of them were courteous, but the only one that mattered was Misty, who was a senior. Misty stepped in front of her friends, threw her arms around my neck, planted a kiss on this cheek, and whispered in this ear, Daddy, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm telling you, that was like saying, sick it to a cur dog. <laughs> At that point, I didn't care where this, you know, what happened to me. Now, you've got to understand that Pearland High School and the school system was the largest employer in Pearland, a suburb of Houston. Everybody had some connection to that school. I knew that this was going to be very controversial, but... Right is right, and wrong is wrong. I've told preachers now for 30 years, don't go looking for fights, but don't ever back down when one shows Amen. up. Amen. You create the fire, and you'll probably burn in it. But if the fire is presented to you, God has more than enough to put that fire out, and you'll be victorious Amen. in inviting it. And that's been my modus operandi now for these 30 years. Well, I got busy. I requested a, a, an interview with the school board. They arranged it for a week from Sunday. On Sunday morning following, uh, this was on a Monday, by the following Sunday morning, the word was out and people just crammed into our building. Well, I was born at night, but not last night. I thought, what a great chance for evangelism. So I preached one of my old revival sermons and gave an altar call. We had several saved. Now I'm holding up a 12-page, single-spaced assembly, and I said to them, if you want to hear what is on the pages of this transcript, you've got five minutes to get the children out of here. We've made arrangements in the gym. If you need to leave, I understand, but in five minutes, I'm going to read this transcript just like it was spoken. Wow. There are some little old ladies in Pearland who still can't believe they heard their pastor say those words. <laughs> but my belief is, it's good enough for the students, it's good enough for their parents. Yeah. So I read it just, as, just like she spoke it. And I'm telling you, by the time I finished, one of our men stood up and said, what are we going to do? And I, if, I had, if I had to give him permission, I think he'd have burned down the school. I said, guys... We're going to pray for a week, and then we're going to go to the school assembly, and I'm going to address them. What I did not know until the next morning is a Chronicle reporter was in the audience. So the, the banner headline across the, the whole second section of the newspaper was, Baptist Preacher Takes on School Board in Pearland. I had to get my wife. We took care of the kids, and we headed for the hill country of Texas. 
went to an encampment and, and we prayed and fasted for the next five days and I refused all press. And I mean people from all over the country were calling for interviews. But I wanted this to be between me and the school board in Fairland. And so I didn't do any press at all. The following Monday, I'm at the school board meeting, but they're not there. So I go to the next place, they've moved it again. Three times they relocated because about 500 of our people showed up. There were a couple of hundred from another preacher who was invited to speak who showed up and a whole lot of students and parents. So in this room full of people, I, I, I find out that I'm the sixth speaker. I've got five minutes and they, they've lined up in front of me two teachers, two students, and this other minister. In their minds, I'm a fundamaniac and I'm against all sex education, which couldn't have been further from the truth. I'm against indoctrination. I want to teach the kids the truth and I want to do it at an age appropriate level. And I believe the parents should be involved. Amen. And so I made that crystal clear. The first five took their five minutes and made an idiot of themselves candidly. When it was my turn, I simply started extracting parts of what the speaker had spoken and I watched the school board members look at me in shock. They had no idea what the content was. They hired the preacher, uh, principal, turned the principal loose and trusted him to make a wise decision. He had found out that there was this hot speaker going around. They had to pay her to come. And she had caused controversy. And he thought, boy, what a great opportunity for our high school. I didn't get five minutes. I got about 20 minutes because they started interacting with me, asking me questions. What can we do? I learned something I never forgot and haven't till this day. And you guys will learn this as well. Politicians can count. When those seven elected school board members realized where the tide of public opinion was on this subject, and it was fully with me. Because they were interrupting you with applause. Well, I'm telling you, I had a, a ten or <laughs> nine or ten uh, standing ovations to my remarks. I mean, every 30 seconds they were on their feet. And there was no doubt where the tide of the public opinion was. So now they're saying, how do we fix this? Can you help us preach her? Out of that, I was able to appoint four of our people to a committee to write the sex education curriculum for the school. Praise God. I'm sorry, uh, just a couple of facts. But I went back to my pulpit and I repented. I began releasing our people to the ministry of governance. And there's mm -hmm. a whole nother chapter to what God did after that. That's awesome. Man, I know we could go on for a long time, but you've got a, uh, anyway, you've, you've done a lot of things, lived in Washington and been involved, but now you've got a new uh, movement going. Is it Recover America? What's the name of it? RecoverAmerica.com is the website. Um, I named it that four years ago. Uh, go ahead, Bill. Well, and, and you're focusing on school boards as one of your issues. Tell them about that. Exactly right. I came back and from Washington, D.C. after two years of teaching Bible study there and thinking I was through with mobilization. I was kind of reaching the retirement time in life and thought I'd take this opportunity to just teach Bible. And yet in 2016, you recall, we almost lost Ted Cruz as our senator to a, an avowed, I believe, communist named Beto O'Rourke. Mm. And so I began getting phone calls from Texas saying, you've got to get back down here and mobilize preachers again, which I've been doing for the past 30 years. And so I ended that ministry with Jim Garlow, moved back to Texas. Uh, my former board re-engaged, and we formed a brand new uh, operation called Recover America. Only 2020, COVID hit, so our plans were stymied. So instead, we began preparing, but we ran into school board races. And just about the time the lift uh, from isolation lifted, 
uh, we started finding out what was really taking place in the Houston Independent School District. I called my first meeting of pastors in my home in August of this past year, laid out a plan for taking over the Houston School Board like we had Pearland, and the response was, can't be done. In fact, some of the leading pastors said, no way. Um, I then found out, uh, by the way, Houston is the largest school district in Texas, seventh largest in America, 200,000 plus students. But Cy Fair, a suburb of Houston, is the third largest with 160,000 students. And they had a school board race. What one of my staff members started doing is looking at the websites. You don't just look at the websites, folks. Follow the links and you'll find out what's really going on. And we discovered some of the most godless teachings, including a class where they were taking uh, young boys who thought they might have homosexual leanings and paying them $125 through the LGBTQ movement, I might add, $125 for taking this course. It was entitled, uh, you know, For Guys Who Like Guys, How to Discover Your True Sexual Identity. That's and it's true. nothing but a recruiting foundation for homosexuals. And so I started showing this to small groups of parents, larger groups of parents, started holding forums around Texas, around Houston. And when election day came, we took two of five open seats out of Houston, independent school district, nobody thought it was possible. Uh, intact families are hard to find near the city of Houston. And so we had a, a harder hill to climb. But in Fair, a suburb where there's still a large number of intact concerned families, I mean, parents got involved and we took out three incumbents who'd been there 20 plus years. Program for all of you to look at that a lot of people are overlooking is no place for hate. It's sponsored by the AD, uh, ADL, uh, the Anti-Defamation League. It looks like a, a, the kind of program you want because it's anti-bullying. But when you get into the curriculum, you find out you, that you, you never, uh, you don't talk about anybody except those who say something may be wrong. And so no bullies are allowed, especially a preacher who happens to say that some certain lifestyle could be wrong. And so they're equipping the kids to hate anybody who has an absolute uh, a view of absolute truth. And we began to expose that. There were about 15 schools in the Fair school system that had been certified as no places for hate. And when we showed that to the parents, they rose up throughout the incumbents and we elected three God-fearing, uh, Christ-centered replacements, and that school system's on the way to recovery. And that can happen everywhere as we engage pastors. Uh, re RecoverAmerica.com. Go to it. RecoverAmerica.com. Put your email address in there and be in touch with Rick Scarborough. It teaches you how to run for school board. It teaches you how to get involved in school board races. You know, if there's one thing that's pretty clear in Scripture is Jesus said that marriage, he says in the beginning, God made them male and female. And this is Jesus talking. And then Jesus says, if you stand by and allow one of these little ones that believes in me to stumble, it's better that a millstone be put around your neck and you're thrown in the depths of the sea. Mm -hmm. So every day you're driving by this school, this building, and uh, are, are you in favor of uh, boys in girls' locker rooms and boys swimming in girls' uh, athletic competitions and are you in favor of drag queen story hour or uh, the transgender are you in favor of that and most church members would say well, well no and it's like well Jesus says if if you stand by and do nothing and, and these kids stumble it's better that a millstone be put around your neck so there's clear scriptural um, 
uh, motivation that it's different than everything else. This is something that, that the Lord wants you to get involved in. It's easy to do. The Holy Spirit is moving across the country to, to get churches involved. And I really want to encourage you, recoveramerica.com. Put your email in there and keep in touch with Rick Scarborough and learn what you can do in something that is so basic as running for school board. Is that I'm well, sorry. let me say that, you know, when they hear you talk about Houston, people think this is a big city problem. But we live in Woodland Park, Colorado, only has 7,500 members. And I just did a search, and we're in the process of presenting this to our school board. And we found 52 books in our high school thing that is devoted to promoting homosexuality. So it's not just the large cities. This is pervasive all throughout, yes. and people need to get involved. You know... Andrew, at the, at the church where I pastor, when I began releasing our people to run for public office, in two election cycles, we owned four of seven school board positions and three of five city council positions. Now, frankly, that's when Christiane Amanpour and CNN showed up. And you talk about making a prayer warrior out of you. When you find out that they're fixing to be following you around and everything you say is going to be recorded, it'll make you and careful. And who, who was the other reporter that followed uh, you around? Along about that time came Andrea Pelosi with, with HBO. And they both did documentaries. One was uh, God's Warriors, uh, CNN. The other was a Friend of God, HBO. And they she's were, with the daughter of Nancy. Nancy Pelosi's <laughs> daughter, that's right. They were designed to destroy uh, my ministry. But all it did was send Christians to us. And that's when things really began to explode. A medical doctor called me up about seven years into this. And he said, Rick, can what you did in Pearland be duplicated across Texas? That's sure. If enough preachers engage their churches, Texas can be transformed. And that's really when I got uh, informed about David Barton and the work he was doing at the same time. But we held all kinds of, of forums, small and large, with pastors across Texas. And in 2002, when the vote was taken, we never endorsed a candidate. We asked people to, to vote as followers of Jesus. I, I call myself a Christocrat. Now, mm. you put the platforms side by side and you'll find out where I vote. But the truth of the matter is I don't endorse candidates. All I do is call the people to vote their values and to know where the candidates stand. And in 2002, Texas went from blue to red, both houses, and every statewide office holder uh, became pro-life, pro-family. And we've been there until 2016, but increasingly moving toward the purple. So these men who formerly underwrote our ministry called me back from Washington, said, do it again. So that's what we're doing now. RecoverAmerica.com is an effort to once again march across Texas, find the thousand preachers who will stand up, speak up, and refuse to give up, give them the tools, work with anybody who will work with us. But we're intending for this election cycle to create a pattern that can be duplicated all across America of Amen. pastor involvement. You know, in my opinion, I think that the two ways that America has gone the direction it's gone is, number one, uh, through the court system, they've been involved and they've been passing legislation that the majority of Americans are against. And then through elections, uh, Christians haven't been involved. Exactly. And so Trump made a huge dent in the appellate court system, and that could last for a generation or so. But Christians still need to get involved. And now we're fighting the Dominion voting things and all of the uh, vote harvesting and on and on. And man, Christians... <laughs> have got to get involved or we aren't ever going to see things. Change. You know, Andrew, and I appreciate so much, uh, Brother Rick, your courage. We're getting yeah. back to what you know this 
we know the Black Robe Regiment. Our country wouldn't be here if it wasn't for pastors and clergy of the day speaking up. I read in your biography here, you've spoken to 20,000 pastors. Let me ask you, are you... That's face to face. Oh, wow. Are you starting to see pastors step up to the plate and get involved? Well, I'm I'm getting back at that. You know, I handed off Vision America to another uh, good friend, and I moved to Washington thinking I was through with this. But when my former board called me back, 2020 hit us and there wasn't much opportunity. But here's what I'm discovering early on. It's better and it's worse. There are a lot of pastors waking up and they're saying, man, give me the tools. But there's a lot of young woke pastors out there now mm-hmm. too. And they bought into this lie that everybody's you know, just love everybody. And if we just love Jesus, we just love one another, it'll all work out. Well, I'm telling you, that ain't working. That's true. Uh, there is a militant side to the gospel. There's a prophetic side to evangelism. Amen. Thus saith the Lord. I'm telling you, when John the Baptist stood before Pontius Pilate, he didn't mince words. There comes a time when preachers have got to have enough guts to be hated. I mean, not everybody's going to love you. If you're, if you're in this to be loved, Pastor, you're in the wrong business. Amen. There's Amen. a time for us to stand for truth, and truth is the only hope for this country. You couldn't have picked a better title for a ministry than, than what you're doing, truth and liberty, because you can't have liberty without truth. You can't have truth without liberty. Right. They spawn each other. You're getting me fired up. I'm telling you. So, Mark, real quickly, just tell about some of the things we're doing here. It's the same thing. We're hitting school boards, and we had how many elected? We just saw 78 seats flipped across the state in targeted districts to conservative. Uh, It shocked everybody. And uh, it was amazing, the turnout. And, uh, you know, Linda and I just passed the 35-year mark as senior pastors. If you'd have told me 30 years ago, school boards would be one of the most intense spiritual battlegrounds. I couldn't have conceived of it or election integrity. But at Truth and Liberty, all we did was we sent five questions out and we asked the candidates what they were and people got involved and handed those things out. And the parents spoke. You know, this thing with Corona backfired on the enemy because it was what caused the parents to go, wait a minute, what are they teaching? And I'm with you, Brother Rick. Um, This thing, I'm not against sex education. It's indoctrination of this perversion and things that are being, no longer are our schools being places where kids learn. We have uh, scorecards on about 185 of the school districts in Colorado. The top 10, the top 10 are failing. And people are saying, I want my children to be able to learn to do math and to read and to write. So that is exactly what Truth and Liberty is getting involved in. And we're seeing incredible success. And we're also having meetings with pastors. And uh, I was just sharing with Andrew before the deal, we've, we've had uh, incredible turnout with the pastors, just patriots, spiritual leaders. There is, we are in a great awakening right now, Andrew. And one of the things that happened is when the parents had to see what their kids were going through during this coronavirus and stuff, homeschoolers have doubled and some reports tripled. And uh, I'm just about to a place where telling people that the public school system is nothing but indoctrination and you better start taking responsibility for your kids' education. It's critical. Yeah, they've gone from 
teaching the Christian heritage of America to ignoring the Christian heritage of America to now they're teaching that Christianity is the problem with yes. America right. and that Christians are bad and Christians had slavery and Christians uh, took land from Indians. When You know, there's two threads I trace through history, greed and the gospel. You always have people motivated by the gospel, and they're the ones that dig wells and villages and start hospitals and medical clinics and schools, and you always have people motivated by greed. And they're the ones that take land from the Indians and sell people into slavery and grow opium in India and ship it into China. And those are the ones that vote for candidates they think will help their pocketbook, even though that candidate stands for killing innocent babies. Right. Uh, but that thread of greed in the gospel, mm -hmm. it actually cuts through each of our hearts. Each one of us every day are put in the position. Are we going to stand for the gospel, for the, the gospel truth, or are we going to give into greed and selfishness? And, and the call is going out. Now, I believe that the good Lord is pushing us and pushing the world to decision-making point. Whose side are you on? You know, if I can build on that, you know, one of the things I've observed, some of our pastors won't speak on these issues because they're afraid of being doxxed, deplatformed, and that's where they sell their books and their tapes. And if you're not careful, pastor, greed will invade you. And at the moment that happens, you're no longer a called man. You're a hireling. God's not going to change the world with hirelings, but He will change it with one dedicated man of God who will stand Amen. against the tide. And Amen. that's what we're looking for at Recover America. We're trying to find the called men who will stand up and be counted. And you know, also, it is true that there are people who will reject you and you will be persecuted. But just like your daughter Amen. kissed you and said, I'm Amen. proud of you. My experience, your experience, every one of us, uh, Mark, when he came out and started preaching on this, he had people leave, but he's had others come as a oh result. You increase because people are hungry for truth. And so you will have a crowd that rejects you, but you will increase. That shouldn't be the motivation, but you shouldn't be afraid of... I tell people that if you never, you know, a person who's healthy has to have a bowel movement every once in a while. And if you don't ever see people moving towards a back door, something's wrong with you. You aren't healthy. Yeah, every church oh, has oh, a front door and a back door. Well, I want to build on something you said, Rick, because listen, Bill spoke yesterday at Church for All Nations, and I'm not just saying this. It, it blew us away. He showed how the minds of Americans have been manipulated. And I encourage everybody to go watch it. I already, we already got it up on our website. And uh, I'm still having people today talk about yesterday. But you said something, I thought, because a lot of pastors think they're succeeding if they don't have controversy in their church, so they avoid certain topics. But you use the illustration that silence is consent. Would you tell that story like at a wedding, you've given the opportunity to say something, and if you don't, how that plays into consent? Right, so it's called the rule of tacit admission, and it's in wedding ceremonies, uh, but it's, if they're, uh, Pastor says, anybody that's against this wedding, speak now or forever hold your peace. So if you're silent there, holding your peace, your silence is actually giving consent to the wedding. And of course, I apply this to God. So if there are sins going on and God is silent, he's effectively giving consent to the sin. And if God gives consent to sin, he's no longer a just God. He denies his just nature. And he's not going to deny his just nature, so he has to judge every sin. And so that's actually been implanted in each of us. And if you think of every police drama you see on TV, every NCIS episode, it starts off with an injustice done in the first two minutes, and you're held captive the rest of the hour wanting the person that did it to be caught and brought to justice and judged, right? That, and so this is the way God, when God sees something that is unjust, his very nature drives him to judge. Now, his plan of salvation is he provides the lamb, his own son, becomes the, 
the sacrifice to take the judgment in our place. But when you apply it to a nation, there's a quote from George Mason, who was one of the founding fathers that when, when George Washington let the left the Continental Congress to become general, George Mason left his farm and became the member of the Continental Congress to take George Washington's place. So George Mason gave a quote. He says, as nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. By an inevitable chain of consequences and events, God punishes national sins with national calamities. Right? So if, if there are sins like killing unborn babies or having kids being taught something that Jesus would never teach, and um, we're going to get judged if we sit back and do nothing. Can we turn it around? We at least need to try. And, uh, and so the, the kids are the battleground. God chose Abraham because he knew he'd teach his children after him. And the battle's over the kids. They went to Hitler, and they said, we'll never follow you. He says, well, that's okay. I got your kids. Right? He can indoctrinate them. And so I, I tell people, you're a spirit, you have a mind, you live in a body. And so your mind is like a super fancy computer. It's more than that, but it's at least that. And your body's like the computer case, which makes it silly for people to argue over what color the computer case is, right? Mm. Imagine if I were to say green computers are better than blue computers. Doesn't matter what color the computer or the iPhone is. What matters what apps, what software is on it. Doesn't matter what color somebody's skin is, is what's behavioral software is running on their brain. Is it love your neighbor or is it this selfishness? But the battle is who gets to load the software on the next generation's brains? On these, who, who gets to plug the flash drive in these little kids' brains? And they want to put their malware, their spyware, their corrupted files, all this perversion on their brains. And it's right. our job to put God's Amen. word on there. Amen. So uh, we need to take some questions, but would you real quickly advertise your books? Can they go to uh, Recover America they can. and get these? Uh, Bill alluded to this book being written back in the uh, 90s, but it was rewritten in 2008. <coughs> in fact, Strang, uh, uh, I should say, Steve Strang urged me to rewrite the book, and so that's my signature book, Enough is Enough. I've got a number of booklets. Uh, this one, Your Pastor Needs. It, it's a biblical treatise on why we should be involved in government and standing up for our dual citizenship right as American citizens. Others uh, attack certain problems and issues, children under attack, liberty under attack is the, is, is the roots of the ACLU and, and, and the ungodly nature of it. It exposes that. America under attack is the hedge coming down, which happens when people don't pray and we allow the kinds of things that, that uh, Bill's been speaking to to continue. Marriage under attack speaks for itself. Uh, what, what hurt us in, inside of the Houston city limits with the HISD was there were so few intact families, so we've got to get a healing to the family. And then I mentioned children under attack. Uh, one other book, this is the latest, dedicated to my deceased daughter. She's a world-class uh, runner. So I took 12 sermons on, on the disciplines of a mighty man, took a different uh, track and field event, and applied the or first of all, examined that event, talked about it, talked about the, the premier athlete in that event, and then applied a spiritual truth to that event that men ought to incorporate into their lives to become mighty men. My daughter died at age 25 looking for her mighty man. So that's all on our website. I'd love for you to have it. Okay, so go to recoveramerica.com and you can get those books. Have we got some questions here, Mark? We do. We've got some questions coming in here. Uh, someone's uh, written in, how can churches turn the tide against the woke culture? I think that's what we've been talking about all. all can you give us a synopsis and just a brief uh, overview of what wokeism is? Wokeism is the opposite of the gospel. That's exactly right. right. So the gospel says you forgive people. Wokeism says you cancel people. Mm. 
Um, the gospel says that the, uh, Ezekiel says that uh, you do not punish a child for the parent's sins, right? The, the, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But wokeism says you make the child be punished for some parent and grandparent's sins, mm -hmm. right? Um, and the wokeism says, well, you want to make up for past inequities so that uh, people can achieve more in the race of life. Well, if you look at it, where's the finish line? Is the finish line how much stuff a person can accumulate before they die and leave it all behind? Or is the finish line standing before God and saying, yeah, I blessed everybody differently, but what did you do with it? I was naked, did you clothe me? I was sick and in prison, did you visit me? I was hungry, did you feed me? We don't need to teach critical race theory in the schools. We need to have evangelists go into schools, get these kids born again, they'll feel the love of God, and they'll wanna share this love with everybody, and they'll love the unlovable. And so the, the, the wokeism is counter gospel. It's the opposite of forgiveness. Instead of, again, forgiving your enemy, it's canceling them, getting to lose their job. It's, it's a religion of works. You can never do enough because it's moving goalposts. Like the Harry Potter author, that she was a hero of that movement for a while, but then when she had a friend that actually said there's a male and a female, she got canceled, right? It's a moving, it, wokeism is a religion of works of which you can never do enough, and there's no forgiveness. You can be the number one wokest person, and they can find a tweet you did 10 years ago and cancel you forever. Yeah. That is not the gospel. The gospel is your sins are forgiven, you get a fresh start. And so, anyway, that's why I'm so excited about Rick Scarborough and his emphasis on school boards and recoveramerica.com. It's real easy. Just go there and you can put your email address in and keep in touch. I think that's really good that sometimes Christians try and counter wokeism with, in a secular way. And the gospel is a counter to it. And we shouldn't be afraid of the gospel. We ought to speak out. And I could almost hear somebody saying through the television, evangelism in a school, how, that, that could never be. Well, I lived in an era <laughs> where, where they had that. And, you know, how big is your God? Why not believe God to turn this whole thing around and move it back toward that, that goalpost? Stand up and speak up. Here's what I tell people. Do what you can, when you can, where you can, as often as you can, as long as you can, as well as you can. That's all God expects. Everybody if, can do that. And if we sit there and say, but they wouldn't receive this, well, then we've rejected the truth for them. We need to preach right. the truth and give the people the opportunity to reject it on their own if they're going to do so. But we, we've got to speak. Well, we've drifted so far from our foundations. And we were talking yesterday, so I'm reading David Barton's book on Benjamin Rush, Father of American Education. So in our nation, the purpose of public education was to teach children to love God, love their country, and love their family. So another pastor friend of mine, he said, that just caught me off guard because he said, I thought, well, family should be in front of country. And Benjamin Rush said this. He said, no, you teach children to love God first, their country second, then their family, because if they don't defend and love their country, the day will come when the country will be the biggest enemy to the family. He even made the statement that there may come a time you may have to forget your family to defend your country. And so here's another question, and I know we've kind of gotten around this, but maybe y'all could zero in. Someone asked, why have some churches allowed socialism to enter the teaching and preaching? Why would they allow it? Well, it's, it's a false gospel. You know, the uh, early church, they sold their land voluntarily and they laid the money at the feet of the church to distribute. 
They didn't have the government take their land away and then be forced to put the money at the feet of Pilate for the Roman government to redistribute, hmm. right? So the big difference between socialism and people say, well, well, the early church was socialist. No, the early church was the early church. Socialism is counterfeit early church. And the difference is between the word voluntary and involuntary. That's sort of a big deal with God. So the Israel goes into the promised land. Every family is given land. If you own land, you can accumulate stuff. The Bible called that being blessed. And you can be moved upon in your heart to give away some of your stuff. The Bible called that charity. Well, Karl Marx says communism can be summed up in, summed up in one sentence, abolition of private property. So if you do not own anything, how can you be charitable? How can you give away something you don't have? Or are you going to steal from somebody, break the law, and now you're a thief? No, God entrusts you with stuff and then gives you the voluntary opportunities to manifest on the outside what internally is in your heart. And so, anyway, that's one of the topics I talk about in my book on socialism. I would, the only thing I'd add to that is that weak preaching is, is what has given us this. And if your pastor is preaching this kind of a message, pray for him, encourage him, have a sit down with him. But uh, if he's going to continue that, then go to Mark, Mark's church or one like it. Find a church where the gospel is still being preached because there are strong Bible churches. Amen. Here's another question from Tarina on Facebook. How do you deal with a corrupt county court system? It is scary what they can do to a person and their family when standing up against them. Well, I would contact Liberty Council with Matt Staver or one of those. They uh, represented us, and I tell you, they were excellent. Yeah, and there's Brad Dacus, Pacific Justice Institute, Kelly Shackelford with the Liberty yep. Organization. Um, there's lots of great counsel out there that uh, we used to not have. You know, when they, when they brought the lawsuit, Madeline Murray O'Hare, when they brought the lawsuit to take prayer out of schools, there was nobody filing anything against it. There wasn't any amicus brief. There wasn't any attorney organization. They just, she just brought the lawsuit to get prayer taken out of the schools and they took it out. She brought the lawsuit to get Bible reading taken out of the schools. They took it out. I mean, we didn't even show up for the fight. But now we got these great legal organizations <clears throat> and, and Rick has had his Myself and Rick have been speaking across the country in the years past with Matt Staver and people like that. Yeah, and I would also add, get involved in politics. Uh, our state, we, uh, we, we vote for those who serve in many of those courts. And in that kind of a state, you can vote the bums out. So you may need to go to your legislature and make changes. Uh, it's a long fight we're in, but it's a fight worth fighting. And you know, there's a lot of people that uh, are woke ministers and they're just out to build their kingdom and they That's aren't right. going to say anything. So I, I admit that that happens. But in my own personal case, I fell in love with the Lord so much in 1968. I didn't watch television or listen to a news broadcast for at least 20 years. I didn't know that they passed Roe versus Wade until it was 10 years later. And so there's a lot of the body of Christ that is just enjoying their relationship with God and forgets their responsibility to other people. And so there's multiple reasons, but yes. they're all wrong. Uh, one of the other things when it comes to politics, uh, there was a Senator Dirksen of Illinois who once said, when I feel the heat, I see the light, mm. right? And so it's this idea that um, uh, James Buchanan won the Nobel Prize in economics in 1980. And he's an economist. So he's like, why are these politicians voting to increase the debt? And he's looking at GDP and all these. And then he realizes if the politician's up for re-election, 
He'll vote to increase the debt to spend more money in his district. That's right. And, and then they'll just kick the can down the road for the next Congress to worry about. And so here he wins the Nobel Prize because he finds out that most politicians will do whatever they can to get reelected. Mm -hmm. With that knowledge, you can go to them and say, if you do what we tell you to do, we'll be your best friend. We'll make you get, we'll, we'll work to get you reelected. But if you don't, we'll be your worst enemy. We're gonna post everywhere how terrible you are, how you're pushing ungodly things. We're gonna post it around, paste, paste it on walls all around town. <clears throat> and you need to realize that uh, they're your servants. You hire them, you fire them. But I think that there's a lot of Christians who would think that that's not a godly way. We're supposed to turn the other cheek. We aren't supposed to ever rock the boat and stuff like this. So they have a philosophy that saying, I'm going to attack you and hold you accountable, they'd look at that as unchristian. There's an interesting quote from Patrick Henry, a five-time governor of Virginia. He says, our um, meek and mild religion teaches us the admirable axiom of turn the other cheek. He says, this is how we must act as individuals. But as a government, we cannot act this way. And he goes on to explain that you are defending all the generations after you. You're defending the freedoms. And if you don't defend those freedoms, the day will come when the government will not allow you to preach the gospel, right? If Sharia law, Islam takes over, it's the death penalty for you to preach the gospel. You wanna hand that type of country over to your kids, right? If communism takes over, uh, they'll put you in a labor camp if you preach the gospel. You wanna hand that type of country over to your kids? And as we saw in Houston, where the first open lesbian mayor wanted to censor all the sermons, all the emails, all the text messages of all the pastors and have criminal charges brought against them for going against some um, uh, LGBT bill. And so if they get their way, they will limit what you can say about the gospel. And if that behavior is not sin, arguably there is no sin. And if you don't have sin, you certainly don't need a savior. In other words, if you sit back, are you a good person? Proverbs says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And if you're not involved wanting to hand a country with the same freedoms you received to your kids, then you're not a good person. You know, my kids sincerely questioned my love when I was applying discipline. But about five minutes after it was over, when I scooped them back up in my arms, they knew their daddy loved them so much that he set a law, held them accountable to that law, disciplined them, and then loved them when it's over. And so... There is a place to turn the other cheek, but there's also a place for tough love when it comes to interaction with human beings. Sometimes you have to put the law down and say, this is the way, walk ye in it. We have to do that as a culture. And uh, that's why a program like this is absolutely indispensable. We've got to find the Christians who get it, empower them. Then you find your friends and encourage them to also get involved in, in this ministry. And let's together start turning this nation back toward a holy God who loves Amen. us. Amen. Well, the priority has to be to preach the gospel, but then the second priority has to be to preserve the freedom yes. to preach the gospel, yes, and right. they go hand in hand. Well, we, we got time for another question. We got another question here from Robert on chat. Uh, what's the best, he asked, what's the best way to approach a passive pastor that preaches the word but is reluctant to challenge local government? Uh, one thing is find somebody in, in the church and have the pastor put that person in charge of cultural involvement. And then the pastor can just funnel people to them. That way the pastor has so many things on his plate. He's like, okay, another thing, appoint somebody in your church to be the, the person to keep the pulse of what's going on. Um, I spoke at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Uh, the, he has a person on staff named Gina Gleason. 
and she makes sure everybody gets registered to vote. She does all this and, and, and voter guides and so forth. And so the pastor, Jack Hibbs, just says, okay, you know, see Gina. And, and that way he can focus on all the thousands of things that pastors has to do, but there's a specific person that can handle that. That's, that's one idea. Yeah, go to your pastor with a solution, not just a problem. And that solution can be the very thing that, that has been just been described. So you have a pastor who preaches the gospel, but he's a little passive. Say, Pastor, if you'll let me, I'll take care of that. Offer a solution. And I'll, I'll add to that. Call us at CFAN and we'll help you start a culture impact team. Uh, the, the message I have for pastors is the last thing you need, Pastor, is something else on your plate. And I'll share with you our experience. And we, I have the most incredible team uh, leaders for our culture impact team. They're doing incredible things, having an incredible impact. We'll help you start. We've got materials. We're here to serve you. Uh, if you're a pastor, I'll be glad to share with you. All you need to do is add your blessing to it. Speak to the issues from the pulpit. Point people to them. And I'll tell you what, it, I believe it's the key to our nation raising up culture impact teams in America. We only have a minute and a half left, but would you once again encourage the people about how they could sign up, get emails from you, and become a part of what you're well, doing? Well, thank you very much for that, Andrew. Uh, we're a brand new startup, so we need people like you to pray for us. We put out a weekly email. I do weekly podcast. You can get all of that at recoveramerica.com. If you go to the website, there'll be a pop-up. Uh, enter your uh, email address. And then you'll start getting a series of updates from us. We need team members, partners. We're, we're rebuilding from scratch. And uh, when I march into these battles, I'd love to have 10,000 prayer warriors that I can count on praying for me. So Bill's been so gracious in trying to help us build that prayer team. And I suspect that you probably could use some money too. Always. Yes, sir. No question about it. So again, we want to thank all of you for watching us. This is such a blessing. We do this every Monday night at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. And we do have people on our phones right now. It's open 24-7. And if you've been blessed, if you want to get somebody, what was this about? They can direct you how to get all of this. And uh, the number is 719-635-1111. We want to thank CTN for carrying this on their network and sharing it with multiple stations. And we just appreciate you so much. Join Truth and Liberty. You can go to our website at truthandliberty.net. We'll be back again next Monday night at 6 p.m. So thank you for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you again next week. Good night. Join us next time for the Truth and Liberty broadcast. Find tonight's episode and related articles and links at truthandliberty.net. Truth and Liberty is viewer supported. If you'd like to help us continue our live casts, you can make a donation at truthandliberty.net. 